0: But how many ready to receive the word this morning? Amen. We're going to jump right into the word. We're going to jump right into the message this morning. Um, I've titled my message this morning, What the Church Needs. What the Church Needs. And this is something the Lord's put in my spirit. Last week we talked about water baptism, and I really feel like this kind of goes with water baptism in a way, because we're in the kind of same place in Scripture that we were last Sunday. I'm reading out of the New King James this morning. But what does the church need? I'm going to tell you right now. What the church needs more than ever is the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look, a lot of times we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we forget and neglect the anointing that comes when you walk by the Holy Spirit. And if there was ever a day when the church needed more, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's the day we live in today. How many know we live in a messed up world? We live in a world that's evil and dark. But as we walk by the Holy Spirit and walk in the anointing, we can bring light into this dark and lost and dying world. Can somebody say amen? We can do everything God has called us to do. Can I tell you this? I don't want to do anything without the anointing. You know, and there's a lot of people that think, well, the pastor's anointed or the teacher's anointed. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you live by the Holy Spirit, you yourself is anointed. I believe that. I believe you can walk in the anointing wherever you are and wherever you go. That's my belief. That's my conviction. Because there's too many people that are just letting the storms of life and the way this world is tear them down because they truly don't know who they are or what they carry. You carry the anointing. If you go to Matthew chapter 3, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 through 12. We read this scripture last week for water baptism as well. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Some of you didn't come to church today ready for this. All right, buckle up. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Why do I read this? I believe the time is short and we do not have time to be walking around in fear as Christians or walking around just getting by we got too many people walking around day by day just getting by. You are not called and never have been called to walk around just getting by. Why? Because the scripture says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come. Not that you can just get by, but he says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I don't care if you get excited or not this morning. I'm going to preach just like you are. To have life and have it more abundantly. So what's this tell me? I'm not called to live just to get by. When I get up tomorrow and I go out into town. And somebody says, Pastor, how are you doing? I'm not going to say, well, just another day. Same stuff, bigger pile. I'm not going to say that. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why is somebody going to want what you got when you can't even show what you've got? All right, let's go. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us with the anointing. You know what I can't stand? Is a lot of the people that have been uh, in church for a very long time. That all they talk about is how things were before. Before. We need to stop talking so much about the church's past and start talking a little bit more about the church's destiny. Well, Pastor John, the services were powerful back then. Well, what are you doing to make them powerful today? Quit talking about back then. The anointing is still powerful today. Well, Pastor, things look a little different. They're not the same. They don't do things exactly the same as the church I grew up in. I don't care what church you grew up in, where you are today, say, God, what do you want to do in my life? The devil has spread the lie that we're no more to have the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches. Look, I've been to churches where my word, like, like seriously. There's nothing there. Literally, they, they might have some good music. They, they might have some good motivational speaking. But nothing's there. People go home feeling good, but nothing's there. They might feel good, but there's no change. Why? Because there's nothing there. I would rather people leave offended, upset, happy, joyful, crying, sad, convicted, whatever they, however God wants them to leave, as long as the Spirit is moving. But now, in churches, we are to substitute the Holy Spirit with programs and personalities and packaging and educational degrees. We cannot function properly as a church without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. But I want to correct some of your thinking this morning. Okay? Because some of you have... uh, Been seasoned with the wrong seasoning. All right? That's good stuff. It just hit me now. Go with it. All right? But too many, I'm so tired of too many people going to church day in, and I'm not saying just this church. I hear people that talk about going to this church and going to that church, and the Spirit didn't move. Can I tell you what? If people are getting saved, the Spirit's moving. Just because somebody didn't speak in tongues or fall down on the floor or run around the sanctuary, that, that's, those things that have happened and, and I've seen them happen and I'm not saying they're not real. But my God, if you leave and go home and somebody gave their life to the Lord, don't say, well, the Spirit didn't move today. There's a new name written down in glory and the Spirit was there. But we have this thinking of, well, if somebody didn't speak in tongues or if somebody didn't flop around and run around and all these different things. I'm not saying anything negative about those things. I grew up in very much a Pentecostal background. And if you're listening to me preach and you haven't noticed that yet, you'll notice it before we're done. But I grew up in a very much Pentecostal background, okay? I've seen things. I've seen things that some of you would probably think, man, I would never go back to that place again. I've seen people healed. I've seen somebody stick their fingers in somebody's ears that was deaf and call that out in Jesus' name and they can hear. But the reason the church is in the dead place it's in today in a lot of churches is because now they're substituting those things to make people comfortable. We don't have time in these last days to substitute the power of the Holy Spirit with 32 committees and 47 new ideas and 24 constitutions and, and 14 formulas to success. People, co- I've had pastors call me, I've had different local pastors call me. Especially during different things and, and they've seen where we've come from to where we are now and, and, and in, the, in the history and different things like that and, and people that have talked to them in the area. How is, how, how is your church growing? Well, and I, my only answer is I tell my wife all the time, I said, they want to meet me for breakfast or something. They want to talk about my church growth and how it's growing. But I don't have the answer that they're expecting me to have. Because they want Strategy. They want, they, they want game plan. They want formulas to success. They want all these different things. But what they don't want is for me to say, you know how it's growing? The power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is what changes lives. Amen. That's what it is. That's how the church grows. Look, you can grow a church of thousands of people, but that does not mean the Holy Spirit is present. And that does not mean that lives are being changed. I would rather have 100 to 150 people the rest of my life that are on fire for God and want to walk by the Holy Spirit and go out and reach people for Jesus than 1,000 people that are dead. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit. There's something in my heart... That says, I would rather have the Holy Spirit than the slickest campaign that any group can put together. I've seen the Spirit poured out. I've seen people filled with the power of God's Spirit. And I believe it was true then, and it's true today. Anything that God does is not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. Jesus is our example. You want to know how to walk by the Spirit and walk by the anointing? Follow Jesus. Jesus is our example. Some of you are going to get a little eye opener today. He never did anything in the natural, Jesus was not sensitive to the trends of his day. Can I tell you this? There's too many people in the church that are too sensitive to the trends of today or the things of today to the point that they're now believing things they never should have believed. They're falling for things they never should have fallen for. Things are being preached that never should be preached. Why? Because they want people to be comfortable. He was never sensitive to the trends of his day, but he was always sensitive to the voice of the Father. Always. Always. Everything Jesus did, he did through the anointing. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Was Jesus God in the flesh? Hope you know that by now. Or we got some work to do. Was he God in the manger? But I want you to listen to this. He didn't do any miracles in the manger. He was God in the manger, but He didn't do any miracles in the manger. Was He God growing up in Nazareth? Did He do any miracles in Nazareth? No. The first miracle Jesus performed was turning water into wine. Another touchy subject in the church today. But if you read John chapter 2 verse 11. Do we have that? There he is. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This was the first miracle that he performed. And you know in all reality he didn't even want to at first. But his mother wanted him to. Alright, so listen to your mother. Just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. But anyway. But what he said to her, he said, woman, my time has not come yet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I ever went my mother told me to do something, I said, woman, you know what? I wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to fall on the floor. <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been on the floor. Not by mom, but probably dad. <laughs> but he said, woman, my time has not come yet. But, th- but he did the miracle. We're, we're past that. He did the miracle. This was his first miracle that he performed. This is the first recorded miracle. He knew the word of God so much that he stunned the priest in the temple at the age of 12, but he had no miracle ministry yet. He had no miracle ministry. Not until the Jordan River, not until the Spirit came down as a dove, not until after the desert experience did he do any miracles? Think about this. 30 years as God, walking the earth, and no miracles. But as soon as the anointing came upon him, he began to do miracles. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Now I want you to, I I didn't plan on saying this, but it's very hard to find very much on Theophilus. Look it up. There's a lot of whack stuff out there. But one of the words that really spoke to me with Theophilus is Theophilus also means friend of God. So when you read this, I almost like to read it, the former account I made, O friend of God, of all that Jesus began to do. Everybody say began. Began. He began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. Now what I want you to understand, just a little side nugget, is i like to look at us in a way, now don't go home and say this is set in stone, all right? This is just something the way the Lord spoke to me. When you read O Theophilus, Theophilus has a meaning of friend of God. How many know we are friends of God? Okay? It says, O friend of God, O Theophilus, all that Jesus began both to do and teach. He began it, but as friends of God and children of God, under the anointing we're called to continue it. Because Scripture also says that we would do even greater things than He did on this earth. People don't believe in the power that they carry. Right. Amen. But it says Jesus began both to do and to teach. He began to do it. He began to teach it. It was a starting point. It started, but church, it's never finished. We are still called as children of God to walk by the Holy Spirit and by the anointing and continue to do and to teach what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, ready, but wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So can I tell you this? This is, a, this is something I want you to think about. He told them, don't go and try to do anything until you receive the promise I told you about. So we as Christians should not want to go out and do the things of God without the Holy Spirit, without the anointing. Because he specifically told them, do not go until the promise I have given you comes. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. How many like power? Look, if the Lord says I can walk in power, I don't want to walk around weak if power is available to me. Right? How many get out of bed every day and say, Man, I know I can be strong, but I don't want to be. Right? I don't think so. I think when we get out of bed, we want to become everything God wants us to be, or you should. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Think of it this way, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to Oxford, Norway, South Paris, Lewiston, Auburn, Oxford County. Think about it, you play a part in the kingdom of God. And it says, We shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120, he said. You ready? Some of you ain't going to like this because we want to be comfortable. You ready? 120 people in the upper room. No sound system. No cool light show. No air conditioner. No video system. No connect cards. No cool music. No small groups. Why do I say this? With all the tools the modern day church possesses, yet the early church had something that we need today. And that's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look, I'm not saying it's wrong to have any of these things. But at what cost? What cost? I'm not saying it's wrong to make people comfortable But at what cost? Let's read Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, the same anointing as Jesus, I want you to look at this. Christ anointed one, right? Our attempts are weak at best. You can do nothing on your own. You can try, you will fail. Now, don't leave this place and go to everybody and say, Pastor John called me a failure. We are true failures without Jesus in our life. Because without Him, we are nothing. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage, it is the anointing coming upon a sin hardened soul that brings salvation. It is the anointing that delivers the captive. And it's the anointing that makes the vilest sinner clean. If you read Isaiah 61, verse 1. I like this. The Spirit of the Lord Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Can I tell you this? This is the church's job. But we have the mentality, you know, oh, you're in need? I'll pray for you. Right? Oh, oh, you need a physical touch? Well, I'll remember you in the, in the prayer group. We'll we'll put you up on the prayer group. Well, if you truly believe that you walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't need to post it on Facebook for somebody to be healed. I don't need to call sister so-and-so on the phone to get the prayer chain going. I can lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because that's what Scripture says. But yet, oh, we'll, we'll pray for you. A lot of people just say that, but they don't pray for them. Right, you see somebody in the grocery store. Hey, well, I'm going through a really hard time. My family's messed up and, and this, that, and the other. Well, you have a good day and we'll remember you in prayer. But you go home, get in your car, and you never pray and you never think about it again. I think each and every one of us can say, I have fallen short in that area a time or two. But we don't have to remain that way. If you understand what you carry and who you are because of who He is... You have authority at any given moment to walk in authority and do everything God says you can do at any given moment, at any time. But I want you to understand this. We are not anointed because the Spirit is on us. It's going to be a game changer for some people. We're not anointed because the Spirit is on us. The Spirit is on us because we're anointed. I want you to think about this. If we were anointed because the Spirit was on us, then the only time we would think we were anointed is only when we felt the manifestation of the Spirit on us. The fact is, is if you walk and live by the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit has come into your life, you are anointed all the time. You don't have to believe that for yourself. I'll believe it for myself. You live however you want to live. But I am going to live knowing that I can walk in the anointing all the time. If you read 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. Other translations use the word remains in you. remains, abides. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. So this doesn't tell me the anointing which I received goes away. But can I tell you this? We're going to take this to a different level right here. We're going to kind of rabbit trail this way, and then we're going to come back, all right? You can kill the anointing in your life. Well, Pastor John, you just said the anointing remains. I can be anointed all the time. If you choose to be, you can kill the anointing in your life. How? By living ways you shouldn't live. Letting sin and letting the enemy creep in you can destroy the anointing in your life. Doesn't mean it's permanently gone because when you realize what you're doing is wrong and you come back, you can get blessed and blessed and blessed. Because I don't know you, but I'm thankful that there's mercy and grace at the foot of the cross. And there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. But if you want to be successful in walking the anointing, And do what God has called you to do. I'm going to tell you this, and I've said it a thousand times, and you probably think I sound like a broken record, but one of the biggest things that I have seen kill the anointing in people's lives is unforgiveness. Bitterness kills the anointing in somebody's life. Resentment will kill the anointing in somebody's life. Because how can we walk being full of the anointing when we're already full of things that the devil's put in there? If you want to be filled up, some of you need to be poured out. You need to release the things in your life that shouldn't be there. You will not. Mark my words on this, I promise you. You will not be effective in doing what God has called you to do, and you will not be effective in walking in the anointing if you're holding on to things that God never intended for you to hold on to. There are things that will kill the anointing in your life, but it's your decision. That's why I tell people all the time, be very careful what you pick up or what you carry. Too many people in the church, they pick up offenses they shouldn't pick up. Take on things that they shouldn't take on. Other things in their lives that they take on that they shouldn't take on. I have come to the point, I was actually just talking about this, With my wife's family the other day, we were at their house. We were talking about different things, just stuff going on. I've come, literally come to the point in my life, like literally, not that I don't care, not that the enemy doesn't ever try to tempt me to take something on, but I have come to that point in my life where it's like my mentality now is life is way too short to carry garbage. Like literally, To hold unforgiveness or to hold bitterness, it's literally pointless because it's only killing you. I've literally come to that point where, hey, you know what? It happened. It is what it is. Let's move on. Because you know what? I can't change it and you can't change it. Somebody might never come to you and apologize, but you still need to forgive them anyway because forgiveness is not for them. It's so you can move on and become who God wants you to be. Don't hold things and carry things that will kill the anointing in your life. But I truly believe if you walk the way God wants you to walk, you can be anointed wherever you are and wherever, whatever you do. Preacher, those that have preached before, pastored before, you're anointed to preach. Teacher, you're anointed to teach. Worship leaders, worship team members, you're anointed to lead worship. Worship. Mothers and fathers, you're anointed to raise your children. Children's church workers, you're anointed to care for kids. Church cleaners are anointed to clean the church. Construction workers are anointed to bring glory to God through the excellence of their work. School teacher, you're anointed to teach those kids. And teens, you're anointed to share your faith with other teens. You can walk in the anointing. You can do everything God has called you to do. Not the power of positive thinking, but the power of a powerful anointing. All that positive thinking crap weirds me out. Good vibes. No, it ain't good vibes. Stop it. Good luck, Pastor John. No. I don't need to have good luck. I'm not going to wish you good luck. I'm going to just pray that God blesses you and shows you favor. Amen. I don't believe in luck and I don't believe in coincidence. I believe by, about God ordained moments Amen. what God puts together. But now we got all these good feels and good vibes and blah, 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 all this weird stuff. Like literally weird stuff. You can't buy a kid's shirt today without something stupid on it. Can I just let a little bit out here? Are you all good with that? Like, like seriously. You go to a store now to buy stuff for your kids, and it's like I look at stuff, it's like, and I get like this knot in my stomach. Like this, like they're trying to push weird stuff on our children. Like they are. You go into Walmart now and you buy a shirt, and if it's got a rainbow on it, you'd like to think, oh man, they love Noah's Ark. No! When it says be happy, be kind, love everyone, you know what the motive is behind that. Yes, I'm called to love and be kind and treat everyone with respect, but my kid's not going to walk around supporting something that I don't support. All right, amen. (laughs) Seriously, you got to be careful. I don't believe in all that Foolishness. I believe in God. Blessing, taking care of your life. Not by luck or by coincidence, but that's the promises of God. But you're also responsible to protect your life, your family's life, and your home life. When I say moms and dads, you're anointed to raise your kids, you anoint them by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You raise them. You try to do your best as a parent to do what God has called you to do to raise your kids. And let me tell you this. The choices you make, some people might not like them. I had people this past couple weeks accuse me of sheltering my children. Sheltering my children. Because, yeah, I'm sheltering my kids... Lord, help me this morning. I'm sheltering my kids because I want my son to know he's a man and not a woman. I'm sheltering my daughter because I want my daughter to know that she's a woman, not a man. Accuse me of sheltering my kids all you want, but my kids will know what they were intended to be, created by God in the right manner. Is that all right this morning? You're responsible to raise your kids. You're responsible to protect your home. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We're homeschooling our kids. Now don't take this as pastors bashing me for sending my kids to public school. Because I've got enough of that this week too. I'm not bashing anybody. You do what the Lord tells you to do. I'll do my home, you do your home. As long as you know you're doing your home the way God wants you to, do it. But don't judge me for the way I'm going to raise my kids because I'm going to do it the way the Lord wants me to. You do you. I'll do me. We good? (laughs) Raise your kids right. Raise your kids right. I told a couple people this week I don't care if your kids are in public school or you teach in the public school. But let me tell you this don't trust the public school system to teach your kids what's right and wrong. Don't depend on them to raise them right because it will not happen. You might say, well, pastor, this school is not as bad yet. It's coming, I promise you. There's some schools that are pretty psycho right now. When you, when you got teachers in Washington State that are now teaching sexual pleasure classes to nine-year-olds, we are in a bad place in our world. None of this, none of this is in my notes, all right? But take it. We're in a bad place. But that doesn't mean you, your family, and your kids need to be in a bad place. You can protect your kids and raise your kids to know God's Word, to know what's right from wrong. The reason why we have a lot of people act in the way they're acting in our world right now is because they weren't raised right, they weren't taught right from wrong, and they were raised as spoiled rotten brats. And I know some of you are accusing me right now. Pastor's getting a little fleshly this morning. If Some of you are convicted this morning and people watching online. It's not fleshly. It's ordained by God. And you're going to listen to it whether you like it or not. Amen? Amen. Amen. God needs the church to rise up and be who we're intended to be. Moms and dad, rise up and stop being spiritually lazy and do what you're called to do. Train your kids. Don't expect other people to do it. They're not going to do it. Don't drop them off at school and say, hey, do your best with my kids. No, you do what you're called to do with your kids. Don't bring them to church on Sunday and say, hey, you've had your spiritual lesson all week. No, it's not the church's job to raise your kids. Scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go. You're called to train your children. That's what you're called to do. Raise your kids right. So they don't have to wonder, well, what am I? What am I? Train them to know who they are. Not just in the natural, but also in the supernatural. Amen. I have not always been perfect at this, trust me. But after the past couple years and seeing things going on, we need to make sure our kids know. We need to make sure our kids know. And you got people that say all the time, well... We've got to have kids in the Christian school system. We've got to have Christian kids in the Christian school system. And if you said that, I'm not bashing that, but you look up the stats on that and see how successful that is. And all I'm going to tell you right now is if you do send your kids to public school or you're in the public school teaching, when as many times as you have your kids at home, you need to instill in them what's right and wrong and pray really hard when they go out into the public school system. Now, hear my heart, I'm not condemning anybody for your kids going to school. But if they're in school, pray extremely hard and do your job when they're home to know what's right and wrong. Everybody good with that little rabbit trail? All right, good. And it all boils back to because God has blessed you with those kids and you're anointed for that job. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you walk with the Holy Spirit, you're anointed to raise your kids. Don't let somebody else do it. Don't trust the world. I would rather be accused of sheltering my kids. And it's f- complete foolishness. Can I tell you else what bothers me? You ready? And if you do this with your kids, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't think this is a world that we should be doing this right now. And maybe I'll get accused of sheltering my kids some more. You know, we got some nut jobs out there. Crazy people, and I see four, five, six, seven-year-old kids walking downtown areas by themselves. We were coming home the other night, going through uh, Mechanic Falls. This little kid comes out by himself with a fountain soda. Cute kid comes out with a drink, and he just gets and he has his little bike and he's just walking up the sidewalk. Ten o'clock at night. And we wonder why people are getting into trouble and things are going on and kids are being taken because parents don't care. Look, when you're raising your kids, you need to protect your kids. We shouldn't let them be wandering out in our world. And I know everybody that's super spiritual. Well, you just got to trust God, pastor. Yeah, there's a difference between trusting God and, and being foolish. I can trust God, but I can use wisdom... And not just let my five and six-year-old, hey, my six-year-old Lydia, you want to go ride your bike by yourself in downtown Norway? No, foolishness. That's not wisdom. Um, uh... Protect your kids. They might be mad because you say, well, you got to be in the yard by eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. So what if they're mad? You're not called to be their friend. You're not called to be friends with your kids. You're called to be a mom and a dad and a parent and to train them and protect them. Amen. The anointing. (laughs) I want you to say that. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. One more time. Say it again. You need to believe that. Can I tell you this? You don't get it from degrees. I'm not saying studying God's word is wrong or going to Bible college. I went to Bible college. I only went two years and I was gone. (laughs) But I went to Bible college. I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not saying degrees are bad. Studying's great. I appreciate the time I had at Bible college. But you can take all the classes in the world and not walk in the anointing. You don't get it from learning. Look at the fishermen. some of the people he used in the Bible. You don't get it from learning. Read all the books you want on the Holy Spirit and it won't give you the anointing. Can I tell you this? And this makes me shout. You don't get it from a denomination. I don't care what denomination you come from, what background you come from. Let me tell you what. I know Baptist people that were raised in a Baptist church that walk in the power of the anointing. I know people, no matter what denomination, if they've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can walk in the anointing. I'm so tired of this denominational divide. That is not how Jesus intended the church. And I'm so thankful when we get to heaven. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's not going to be, I got the gate. And you get there and you say, I'm Catholic. And he says, okay, you go over there. Methodists over here. Baptists over there. Pentecostal's in the back because you're too loud and we want some quietness. No. Look, I don't care what background you are, what church pew you sat in. If you had a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to be one church in heaven glorifying the name of the Lord. Yeah. One church. We can, all, we can get all up in the tiff about all these doctrinal differences. Let me tell you what, there's too many people to focus on all these doctrinal differences when people are dying and on their way to hell. Yeah. Yeah. What's the main thing? Look, you can debate all day with me and talk to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this, that, and the other. But if people are dying and on their way to hell, what's it matter to fight about that when we need to be out there spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ? We will not experience the power of the anointing in our services if we do not observe the protocol of the Holy Spirit. What is it? Worship in spirit and truth. Hun, can you come to the piano so I know to shut up soon? We all know what that means. What is the protocol of the move of the Holy Spirit? Worship in spirit and in truth? Come with an expectation. Don't come to church on Sunday just because, well, we go to church, that's what we do. I don't go to church, it's because it's what we do. I go to church because I love to do it. There's a difference. Freedom for the spirit to move. Hunger for God. And purity of heart and holiness. I think the problem with the church today is we've made an art form of pleasing people and we've forgotten how to please God. No more pleading for lost souls in the church anymore. No more altar calls for repentance. There's no more preaching on sin, and there's no more time on the agenda for the moving of the Spirit. Pastor, what's wrong with making people comfortable? Nothing wrong with it, but the main thing must remain the main thing. We are here to give God glory and honor, and He can do whatever He desires. I refuse to fall into the deal of slick packaging that refuses to preach on the blood, that refuses to preach on the cross, that refuses to preach the dying to the flesh. Why? Because it's not our abilities, it's our anointing. It's not our packaging, it's our anointing. It's not our presence, but our anointing. It's not our wisdom, but we're full of wisdom because we're anointed. There are mighty men, women, and children But then there are men, women, and children that know their mighty God. There's a difference. I'm not seeker sensitive, I'm presence sensitive. I want the presence of the Holy Spirit. The good news for believers today is that the anointing continues to function as it did during the times of Jesus. Every miracle, every healing, every life change was a result of the anointing. The same anointing works today to provide a supernatural remedy to long-standing issues, practical issues, and impossible issues in our lives. What the church needs is to be filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit.